The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. everyone, and thank you for being with us this evening. We're going to have bring our music out. There we go. Um, this evening, I have a special treat. I have an international guest this evening who is a sexuality colleague from Calgary, my hometown. Um, and I trust that her name is Dr. Trina Reed. She specializes in parents in maintaining your intimacy after children have arrived, and now I'm going to get to find out. We're we're going to talk about men tonight. We're going to talk about what are the myths of impotence. Our focus is going to be male sexuality, because I have to tell you, even though I've written five books, one of the biggest things that does strike me is how men are often overlooked as, and sort of categorized as having rather simple and very simplistic sexual functioning and rationale. And I completely disagree with that. And so does Trina. Now, Trina, I believe you're on with me right now. I am, and I just want to add to that. I, I pitched to several publishers uh, this idea of writing a book for men, mm-hmm. and all of them flatly refused me because they just didn't feel there was a market for men. Like you know, so there's a I, I see a huge need, and I, you probably see a huge need as well. Massive, but, massive. But uh, the publisher said, no, no, we we wouldn't sell enough books, so we don't want to do any books on men. And consequently, there are very, very few books for men on sexuality. And it's it's sad. You know, I think the last good book that was written was The New Male Sexuality by Bernie Zibberville. Yes, and Bernie's book was terrific. And it was like 20 years ago. And then he did, he re-released it and did um, a revised version of it, and it was fabulous. And But I totally agree with you. And you know what? You and I will talk about this when we're off the air because I absolutely see that there's a definite need for it. And you know what? If these publishers are so blind and so silly they can't see it, I'll tell you who's going to buy the books, women. Well, absolutely. And, and I think that now, like may, maybe 20 years ago, men would not have bought a book about, you know, gone into the bookstore, boldly walked to the sex section, bought a book on male sexuality. I think attitudes are changing now, and men might just be willing to do that. To me, there would be no question. Because, you know, when you sent me, you know, we were talking about setting this up, um, that 
you wanted to focus on male sexuality. I was like, yeah. It, and because that is something, and, you know, when you talk about that they have that undeserved reputation for being selfish and uncaring in bed, I would completely disagree with that attitude. Yes, but it's still the, this, this idea of men only take what they want out of the bedroom. And when women have to look up at the ceiling and think of England, it's a very systemic belief system. And I think, like, men buy into it, too. And I think it's part of the reason why that there's such difficult communication between men and women or, you know, partners and and this idea of men really understanding their own sexuality and not experimenting or wanting to try different things or, you know, men just um, wanting to be more sensual or sexual is, is stifled just because of this idea that they are seen as selfish in the bedroom. And I think that there's so many things that go around that. Like, you know, I don't want to get too much too, too far ahead of ourselves, but this idea of men's midlife crisis where they're being so very selfish because they're buying a brand new sports car. Like there's so many things that are going on in a guy's head when he reaches midlife that have very little to do with sexuality, but the thing that people focus on is, you know, the, the sex part. So, you know, I, I think that when we look at men and their sexuality, I think that they're just as confused about sex as women are, but women tend to have an outlet. We talk to each other, whereas men would rarely talk to each other about these very deep ideas around sex. Um, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. But before we go into that, can you please describe for people what it was and what got you into the area of sexuality and becoming a PhD in sexuality? You, as a PhD or a doctor? Oh, are you sitting down, Lou? Yes, I am. Are, are, you, are you sitting down? So <laughs> I kind of got into my head that I wanted to do this and why I still don't know. It was just one of those mornings I woke up and I thought, hey, I want to do this. And so I, I boldly walked into the bookstore and the first book I pulled off the shelf was Lou Paget's How to Be a Great Lover. <laughs> no, this is a true story. So really? I still, this is a true story. I tell it in my seminars. I tell it everywhere. And so, and so the, I, in, in your book, you're, you give a how to give hand jobs. And like, I have to learn how to give a hand job because if I'm going to be a sex expert, I got to know this stuff. So I was still too shy to go into sex stores. So I had to make do. So I walked into my local Safeway. Right. And I went to the cucumber aisle and I, and I picked out the nicest cucumbers. And then I walked to the, to the family health section, and I picked up a tube of KY. Oh, Lord. and then I walked, and then I walked around the Safeway for 45 minutes, convincing myself that the cashier was not going to figure out that I'd be doing hand jobs on the cucumber. So that was my introduction to this profession. It was you, Lou. You have always been my inspiration and hero, and that is the honest to goodness truth. And here that, we are. That is. Well, thank you. That's hysterical. Now, let me ask then, in How to Be a Great Lover, were the illustrations, were you able to follow them easily with the step-by-step instructions? I am a mistress, a master of hand jobs. Like, you know, like the thing is, like once you figure out that this, like this is an easy, fun way to spend an evening, you know, sometimes you 
don't feel like having intercourse and your partner really does and you're thinking, oh, uh, you know, like you're kind of going to the bedroom and then you whip out the lubricant and you just do one of these fantastic hand jobs and you feel like a goddess and you're like, woo, you know, I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I love imparting your wisdom on, and anybody who would ask me, you know, if you're on an airplane and you sit beside me, I will show you how to do a hand job. AKA Lou Paget. Lou Paget hand job. From your book, I try, you know. Oh, my Lord, that's, oh, thank you for that. I must tell you, that reminds me of on, on a plane when I was flying to Chennai, India, to do a presentation, there was a woman seated beside me who was like a top, you know, um, speaks five languages coming down to deal with the software programming and all the computer people. So as we were delayed for four hours in New Delhi, I showed her how to do some manual techniques with her boyfriend. It does make sitting in a plane a little and, and, faster, doesn't it? And the it? thing is, and the, and the people around you are probably going, what are they talking about? Exactly. What are they doing? What are they doing? What are they talking about? Yeah, you're the best person to sit beside, Lou. You are the best person. Oh, dear. Well, thank you for that. That totally, that totally makes my evening. So, so you got into it. You woke up. You got inspired. You went to the grocery. You went to the, the green grocers, came out. Then, but what had you, okay, so there's that, but then you went and, you know, you became Dr. Trina Reed. Yeah, so. There, so must, there I, must have been more. Yeah, well, so then, so then I just, you know, then I decided to actually pursue it, and uh, I went to the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality, and I, you know, if for people who don't know the difference between a university-style degree and, and, and the institute-style degree, if you're going to be an educator, you, you're probably your best bet to go to the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. If you want to do more research papers, academics, you know, that sort of thing, you want to go to a university. And I always knew that I wanted to be an educator. So, you know, going the research route really wasn't my style. So I went to the Institute and here I am like, so for, you know, for you Americans, I'm from a province called Saskatchewan, which is right above Fargo, North Dakota, right? So like that kind of mm-hmm. gives you the sense of what Saskatchewan is. So I'm, I'm a girl right off the farm and I go to the Institute in San Francisco and honest to goodness, for the first Two or three weeks, I walked around thinking, what am I doing in this place? Like, why am I here? And, you know, I think one of the things that I, one of the things I really took away from the Institute was just how much stuff we have around sex. So, you know, you say a word like anal sex and all of a sudden people, like their alarms go off and all these things, their preconceived ideas about what anal sex is and like all this stuff is going off in your head. And what the Institute taught me was just to take all that clutter away and just sort of be able to see sex for what it is, which is a beautiful, natural thing, which is like, it seems so cheesy. But uh, it, but as an educator, I think what I bring to the table is I am this um, small town girl who's just an average person. I am just an average person in an average marriage with two little kids. There's nothing special about me other than I have this education. So I have this really good perspective on what the average couple is going through when they are trying to have a marriage and trying to raise kids and, you know, with this perspective of, you know, like how can you make sex work within this dynamic? Because it is tricky, but it's not impossible. I, I concur, counselor. Now we have a problem, you know, and here's what also people never expect is that because Canadians tend to be 
slightly more conservative, and particularly from Western Canada, which we are both from, they also never expect that we're going to be the people looking like we both do who are going to talk about sexuality. <laughs> because we, are, we are so not the perception that most people have, which I love that part of it because it creates what I would refer to as brain grenades. It, it has them kind of like not be able to think about it. So we're going to be coming up to our halfway break. My guest this evening is Dr. Trina Reed. You can find her at www.trinareed.com. And she had her, one of her books is Till Sex Do Us Part. Her specialty is the area of, you know, a family and, you know, the normalness of it within a relationship. We'll be right back after these tunes. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Do you ever feel like you're the invisible woman? Too polite to be political? Too nice to be real? Tame, even though you really want to be unleashed? Like you're living in a fairy tale without the happy ending? Well, Cinderella has left the ball, and it's time to wake up and break up with our own self-imposed glass slippers and ceilings. Welcome to Le Chic Speak, the polite woman's guide to self-expression, with your host, Jen Duchenne. Le Chic Speak is the Woohoo Radio Network's resident radio show dedicated to helping women turn on their power and turn up the volume of their voices so you can be seen, heard, appreciated, and celebrated. Join us on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time for your weekly dose of Le Chic Speak with your host, Jen Duchenne, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Do your friends and family speak the same spiritual language as you? Are you ready to embrace the life you truly desire? Are you ready to find the courage to listen to your intuition, embrace your ancient wisdom, and live an authentic life in joy? Join Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, Fridays at noon, Eastern Standard Time, on the Angel Radio Network, as she ignites the conversations you're longing to have. Grab a cup of tea, tune in, and finally find the answers you're looking for and the path of happiness you seek with an hour of Dishy Talk Radio for the Spiritually Hungry with Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, here, Fridays at noon, on the Angel Radio Network, changing the world by enlightening the world, one radio show at a time. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. I'm on Skype. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm just going to do this here. She's on Skype. Okay. <laughs> I'm sending Anna a little note here. Oh, okay. So, are we on right now, Anna? Just 
dealing with our little technical stuff here. Yes, we are. Fabulous. No. Okay. Coming right back in. Thank you for being with us this evening. My guest is Dr. Trina Reed and in dealing with the male sexuality. Trina, you sent me one comment and you said the myths of impotence. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, it's interesting that uh, there, you've heard of Masters and Johnson, right? Of, I think of everybody's course. heard of Masters and Johnson. So they did some really land-breaking work in the 60s and 70s and for women's sexuality. And they really brought this idea of sexuality to the mainstream public life, which was extremely important. But one of the negative things that Masters and Johnson did was talk about male impotence and, and how they framed it was that it was all in a man's head. So, it, you know, it was, it was like depression. It's all in your head. That's, there's no, so that's what the thinking was, you know, back then. But unfortunately, it's, it's stuck. So even though we, you know, in the last 15 years, Viagra just turned 15 and um, Viagra has put millions and millions of dollars into average advertising into getting spokespeople. They've done a really good job with bringing this idea of, of erectile dysfunction to the forefront. Um, this idea of, you know, it's all in your head for some reason has still stuck around and, you know, they're, they're showing, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what doctors or, you know, anybody can do to say to men, Hey, you know what? Generally it's not in your head. It's, it's in your body and you have to get it checked out. And there's, and there's really good medical reasons why. You know, mm-hmm. so for example, um, you know, if, if if there's something going on with blood flow issues in a man, let's say stroke or heart attack, the first thing that's going to go is his ability. Well, it be his ability to vital. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, so it's to go and talk to your doctor is really, really important. And and still, and yet, even with you know this idea that you know it's okay if you're experiencing erectile dysfunction, it's okay. Men still don't go because of this um, myth that was made by Masters and Johnson. And so I, you know, I, I just try and get out there as much as I can to say to men, you know what? It was it was a made up thing, and it was false, and it was wrong. And I mean, there are. Are some circumstances where, you know, it's not about if you're having erectile difficulties, it may not be about your penis. It could be about depression or anxiety or stress. So, I mean, if you're experiencing a lot of that or if you have, you know, diabetes or circuitry problems, you know, it, it might be due to that as well. But but chances are, you know, there, there's a, if you are experiencing erectile dysfunction, it's not because you're your mother bad at when you were four years old and you know it has nothing to do with that and I'm, and I'm astonished and I'm astonished Lou that that this this just hangs on and I don't know why I don't know I don't know how much how much more millions of dollars they can pump into advertising to say it's not you know well you know here's another thing we we know how programmable people are about information as it's given to them Yes. And in speaking of Masters and Johnson saying there is, you know, the impotence issue and it's in their head, why don't we also then shine a light into the female camp and look at what Freud did to women and orgasms by saying that there was the immature orgasm, which was the clitoral orgasm, and the mature orgasm was the vaginal orgasm. And that has been an overhang on women's sexual function since Freud in his stupidity said it. Yeah, so and I could I could just yeah. I say I could bitch slap him for that one, and it it still continues on. Go. <laughs> 
Yeah, it does. Like, I am astonished to this day how the couples still expect that when the penis enters the vagina, it's going to just create magic and, you know, it's going to be great for everybody. And and it's just simply not the case for a lot of women. So, you know, you're right. You know, I think important people made hypotheses about ideas around sexuality that they thought were true but weren't tested or proven, but yet they just stuck. Uh, true. Now let's, you know, then let's, for you and I, as educators, have people, I always ask people this question, who are you listening to that you got the information from? Because if the source of information is the adult industry, we know that that's not going to be your best source for women or for men. And but, you know, but, but there's all, like, the thing up. I get writers calling me every week and they don't have a background in sex, but they are writing an article on sex and they have no idea. And I can't tell you how many times I have said something very basic and they're like, and the writer's like, oh, that's really interesting. I've never heard that. And I'm like, oh my dear God, you're writing an article on this topic and you have no idea. And it's no wonder that these misconception, misideas, misinformation, gets out there because these regular and bless them they're trying to get good information out but they don't know what they're writing about you know what i'm no, saying no, well here's here's where you and i you know there's a lot of ground out there for us to cover my dear yes. um when i was i'm looking at um doing something with sex coach university with um patty britton and uh, uh dunlap one of the things my area is in media and one of the biggest things is that part of what we do when we do have our conversations with people is that we know almost every time we do it's a teachable moment and particularly for men and one of the questions i wanted to ask you is are you having more men ask you questions well i I would say that men generally are the ones to come forth and always ask questions. I rarely, rarely have a woman ask me a question. Rarely. So in my, in like, so I've been doing this for ten plus years, and if I get an email, it's usually from a man. And I think, I think it might just be men are the ones who want to find solutions. Not that I want to paint broad strokes and generalize, but I think men want to find solutions. So they're the ones to send the emails, mm-hmm. but, um, but, and, and always like without a week does not go by in my world without some man from somewhere in the world asking me a, a question about his penis. So, you know, men want to talk about their penis, but they don't have any really anybody to talk to about. So they, so they contact me and they, you know, I don't want to talk about your penis. Really. I don't like, you know, like if it's just, if you and, and then, uh, so I get these questions, you know, is it the right size or is it functioning? Well, is it questions like that? Yeah, so yeah, a very common question is premature ejaculation. What can they do about it? Uh, mm-hmm. Size, mm-hmm. you know, it astonishes me. Men are, well, I guess it shouldn't, I shouldn't astonish me, but, you know, uh, men are really, really concerned about size. Um, they're also concerned about functionality. So if they're, if it's not functioning properly. And so mm-hmm. um, these are the questions. And also when I take a look at who's, who's on my website reading the articles. So um, I have a brand new website which Lou Paget is on of course because I love her advice. <laughs> Thank you darling. I love your site by the way. Um if if I take a 
Thank you. Thank you. So if you t- if I take a look at who's been on my site, it's a large percentage of men. So men are out there look and it, that's the way it's always been on and any kind of um any kind of website I've ever run. It's I write the articles for women and mm-hmm. it's the men who come and read the articles. So the men want the information um and they that's how they're accessing it. But you know that the difference is if I if I give a seminar um, I never, I, I've never done an all men seminar and maybe that's just because of who I am. I only ever get women coming to my seminars and women, once they're in my seminar and I put them into groups, that's when they start to talk. Women don't talk, don't, you know, the women don't do the, the talking in the seminar. Uh, when I have had men in seminars, they do ask questions, mm-hmm. but women Intended so interesting about how men and women communicate around their sexuality. So, you know, men are, it seems to me they are very direct and they come and they ask questions, whereas women, they have to be put into groups before they're comfortable asking questions. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you what happens in mine, and, and because I find um, something similar. I have found that the women, when they come and they are completely, you know, anonymous or they're comfortable with who they've come with, they are completely open to, because it's, it, my seminars are very interactive, and the men tend to be, the men's seminar tends to be shorter because the men want the information, they want to know if it works, and they want to go out and they want to try it. <laughs> they're kind yes. of like, they're very, they're very sort of like boom, boom, boom. But I will say that I probably have a 50-50 women and men, and I agree with you relative to media questions that the majority of times, what I will do is I phrase it so that when they ask the question about something and I give the answer of, listen, we're talking about the chromaster muscle. Now, as you probably know, that's the thin layer of musculature around the scrotum. And I give them as much as I can because when I do media, my job is to make them look smart. Yes. And what you and I both know, what I have found is that even though couples want to tell the truth in front of one another, they don't. They just don't. I have and, done a few couple seminars, and mm-hmm. um, and maybe I'm just not really good at giving couple seminars. But it's always like uh, here's I remember one in particular. So I had a, at least a hundred people in in the seminar, and it was all couples. And so I had just I had them split up into men and women, and I put them into men and women groups, right? And they I gave them questions to. Like you, like the room, like there, so much chatter, so much chatter going on in the rooms. And then I had the men give their answers and the women give their answers, and it was all really funny. And then I had the couples get back together, and when they were back together in their couple couples you could have hit could could have heard a pin drop nobody wanted to talk to the other about what they were just talking about in their separate groups and i you know i always think that's so interesting that you know men men feel comfortable talking you know with men and, and women with women but you know when you get a couple together it's it, to, to to discuss the things that they were just talking about is almost impossible i, I Unless, you know what i i i totally I totally agree with you now. We have probably five seconds until our mid-show break. My guest is Dr. Trina Reed. You can find her at T 
T-R-I-N-A-R-E-A-D.com. Check out her new site. It's fabulous. Got all these little little areas here where you can bing on podcasts and videos and etc. And Trina and I will be right back after the break. And then we're going to talk about why men fake it. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. There's no stopping us. Join host Kaylin Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kaylin helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kaylin for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin will feature a new tip that you can use today. As range of guest experts who are about helping helping local owners thrive, thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm on the Rockstar Radio Network. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Just before the break, I said that my guest and I, Dr. Trina Reed and I, will talk about why men fake it. But before we go there, I uh, wanted to share something. At the top of the show, Trina was saying, I asked her, so how did you get into this? And she shared her cucumber story of shopping for the cucumber after having read my book. And on the break, I was laughing with Trina, and it reminded me, when I was just in uh, the Far East in February, I spent two weeks in Asia, Jakarta, Hong Kong, Manila, um, Kuala Lumpur, and Singapore. And needless to say, (laughs) Trina goes, those are very different cultures. (laughs) That is an understatement. And 
what I couldn't do is I couldn't bring the instructional product that I typically do for my seminars, but that's what I was doing. I was giving the ladies seminar and then the gentlemen seminar. So when I went from Jakarta to Manila, they suggested to the, um, pardon me, from Manila to um, Hong Kong, they suggested that we use um, eggplant. Now, I don't know how they found eggplant. Eggplant, really? (laughs) Seriously, these eggplants were like big, long English cucumbers. I don't know how they found them. They were so freaking long, but that is what the women ended up using. So no one had to be embarrassed about having an eggplant with them. Oh my gosh. But I suppose you do what you got to do to get the job done. You just do it. Exactly. I mean, this is in one of the hottest, you know, private nightclubs in a room. And I'm trying to speak to these women and there's a bar behind me and there's guys in the bar. And I'm trying to present to these women and they're sort of spread around on these benches. And they have, they have these, um, all these big eggplants. (laughs) So needless to say, the visual of it is, is quite amusing. I'm trying to do stuff. So anyways, that's our little moment of levity in this section. So Trina, I know why men have told me they fake it. What have men shared with you as to why they do it? Well, first of all, what I think is really interesting is when a couple, when a, heter- when a heterosexual couple walks in to have intercourse, you know, men do their absolute best and i really believe they do their best to pleasure their woman and 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 i think men have that a checklist in their head of all the things that they go through that they know will work on her and and hopefully give her an orgasm and so but the thing is if he gives her an orgasm fantastic but if he doesn't you know women just kind of go okay well maybe tonight's not my night right but no matter what happens in that sexual interaction the 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 finale is the man having his own orgasm his own climax so so the idea of men faking it is just like you know men really aren't allowed to fake it so whereas women are kind of like oh well it's not my night you know we, we tried and it's not my night there's not there's not that to kind of uh, men don't have that off they have to you know give that final release so i think one of the big reasons that men fake it uh sometimes and every man i've talked to has faked it once or twice or many times is just that idea that no matter what happens he has to have that end because if he doesn't women his his partner starts questioning her sexuality well did i do something wrong is there something wrong with me you know like is there something wrong what's going on and I and and just to make sure that his partner is satisfied, um, a lot of men tend to fake it, which I think is really interesting. Like men don't have that. Oh well, it's just not my night tonight. Sorry, honey. You know they they have have to right now. Here's here's my question. Yeah. How? Because I know what men have told me. They do. How do these men then respond to the fact that someone goes, okay, well, where's the end result? I know. What do they do at that moment? You know, I, I guess I've always been too polite to ask because oh, like, it's ask. always sitting in my head going, well, like, isn't it kind of obvious that things that like, you know, like you're not like the woman's not rushing to the bathroom to do like she's not like what's going on. You know? you know, I'll tell you, here's what men have told me. Because um, one man said that he, 
um, would say to them, you know, honey, um, I dated myself this afternoon, so in the tanks are dry. I was so excited ah. about being able to see you. And then this man told me, two weeks ago I was on another radio show, and he told me I was doing an in-studio. He said that, he said, I know when nothing's going to happen. It's for the same reason that women, you know, they want the person to feel like they've done a good job, but, you know, they're overstimulated or they haven't had enough or they may have had too many adult beverages or something, and nothing's going to happen. So what he said he does is he sort of, like, pulls out and then sort of, you know, like, finishes, you know, and pretends he finishes on the sheets. Oh, inter- very interesting. But it's, it's, uh, what's interesting to me is that he has thought this through. Oh, he's thought it through to know exactly how he has to do it. And I'll give you another thing. <laughs> I had another man tell me he and his partner were out for dinner, and he knew his partner wanted to go home and, you know, do things. <laughs> he said to me, I didn't know how long. He said, I knew I had about 15 minutes to work myself up into an asthma attack so I could go home. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> he said, I just did not want to do anything. And so, you know, that thing of, you know, men fake it for the same reason women do. Now, the other thing you, I asked you about was the testosterone therapy. What are you hearing from women and men asking for it? And what are your number one sources when you go to look for information? Because, you know, as an ASEX certified sex educator, you know, I may have written five books, but I got to tell you, this is a contentious area. Well, it really, it really is. And I think, you know, some people look at testosterone as a quick fix, just like they look at Viagra as a quick fix. So Viagra is there for a reason and it does, it can have a medical purpose. Testosterone is there for a reason and it can have a medical purpose. But I think many people might look at it as a band-aid and, or a, a crutch. And that's not the way to look at testosterone. I mean, there's, when we take a look at a person's overall sexuality, it's it's about, um, you know, their their mental, their, you know, do they have a lot of stress in their life? Are they mentally stable? Are, do they have good communication with their partner? So there's all these other dynamics that go into what a healthy sexuality looks like. Testosterone is just one piece of that. That right. said, when, when men hit mid midlife, they... You know, just like when women hit midlife, you know, their hormones change. They go into menopause. We don't talk about that with men. But men's testosterone levels can drop dramatically. And it's not necessarily a a sex issue, but it can be like a vitality issue where, you know, know, when you experience that kind of drop in your hormones, it, it will affect you psychologically, physiologically. And so I think for some men... This idea of testosterone can be helpful, but it's not like it's a a person-by-person issue. So it's something you definitely want to go talk to your doctor about. The thing is, you know, when, when hormone replacement therapy first came out, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was just brand new. And so they were learning a lot of things about hormone replacement therapy and there was a lot of things done wrong and so they linked testosterone to prostate cancer and they're seeing now with the changes in how they're doing testosterone that it is not linked to prostate cancer and so I think it's not 
testosterone is not uh, a quick fix, an easy fix, but it's definitely something that if you've, you know, I've, I've spoken to many, many, many men who, you know, all of a sudden in their life, they're lethargic and they're unhappy and they go to the doctor, they get tested and they see that there's been a, a rap, you know, a dramatic decrease of testosterone and it is affecting their, their overall happiness. And it's something that you need to go your doctor well and here's the other thing that people have to know they have to go to the right doctor okay because there yes. you know let's be really candid here even though and it's not the physician's fault okay when they go to med school if they are lucky they might get eight hours and four years of med school if they are lucky but what also happens is they may not know in this area. So even if they are a urologist, they may not know about this. I'm going to be doing some stuff with a urologist here who uh, has a very large practice. He's based in Santa Monica and in Culver City area. And I have to tell you, he doesn't know nickel from dime about sexuality and the pleasure part. He knows about the plumbing, but he truly does not know. And so he's having to do catch-up. And this is a man who's 63 years old, but he knows that he wants to do something more in this area. The other thing, I think when we talk about testosterone, again, it's like women coming in and saying, you know, I have low hormonal levels, you know, you need to give me something, when really it might be that they're bored out of their minds, okay? They might be bored in the bedroom. And the other thing that I see, and this is a monster, and I don't know, you know, Trina, if you're finding the same thing, stress. It is. Well, no, I, I, you know, I would say that if a man, like, I would say generally, if men think they they have low testosterone, it's probably due to stress. But you know, they they need to get it checked out, right? So you know, it's. I agree with you. I I, I think that stress is the culprit. You know, pressure and stress, especially when you're in your forties. You know, it's just it's depleting you of all your happiness. But you know, people want uh, people want to point a finger at something, so they 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 want it to be the testosterone, and it's not necessarily the best fix but i do think for some men it can be a fix right i i totally agree with you and i'll just we have a minute until our next break and my guest this evening is dr trina reed and you can find her on trinareed.com and that's r-e-a-d.com but you know trina well i was when i was in chennai india the group i was speaking to a gentleman sent me a note and again it's like people sending you those emails because you're finally a place where they can ask the real questions and he said i'm not able to have a strong erection i don't know what's going on and so i went down the list have you been riding a bike have you been taking hair you know androgen um you know things massaged in your scalp for you know baldness have you been taking any medications have you been doing it and then finally the one question is and how much stress do you have now i knew this guy probably had a ton given what his job was and that was his thing so we'll you know when we come back um i'll go over some of the suggestions of how to deal with the lack of you know the strong erections my guest is dr trina reed and we'll be right back after this break
This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Get ready to have some fun with some brand new insights from science. Join us for the radio show of scientist Oe Nandi. Born of Indian and Swiss parents, this linguist and biologist authored the book Human Language Evolution and will tell you the story of human history, why it began in Africa, and why there arose blonde people, how America was populated. And we'll be answering some much more similar thrilling questions. Scientist Oe Nandi is here to simplify the complex and to give us insight into our history and maybe even share one of his poems from one of two publications. Join us every Wednesday at 12 noon central on TogiNet Radio for an insightful show with host, scientist, and poet Oe Nandi. Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A, your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of 0 and 6 are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Okay, Trina, I'm going to jump right in. I see you've got a little thing on here on your site on Fifty Shades of Grey. And I'm just going to say I'm surprised how many people in our field who have not read it, who are making comments on it without having read these books. I haven't read it. And I've probably done, well, I've done at least 50 interviews on Mm -hmm. Fifty Shades, and Mm -hmm. I've not read the books. I skimmed the books, but I didn't read them. Did you read them? 1,625 pages, every one of those pages. Good, good job. And I will tell you, I will tell you, in those pages, and I'll tell you, they're, they're very popular in India. They are very popular in the Far East. And we know they're popular in North America. I know they have had a monstrous impact in the area of toys and manufacturers, sports sheets, um, Fun Factory. Fun Factory could not keep in the smart balls. They, I mean, the company Love Honey in the U.K. that's bringing over the line that got the license for it, their line is okay. It's nothing exceptional, actually. But what they have is they've got the okay from the author, 
herself also being British. But what are people asking you about from the toy point of view on it? Because truly, there is no true scene in there. She, there is no, she is not a true submissive. And she is the one who controls everything. And if you want, here's what I tell people. If you really want to see what the whole driving force behind this book is, really it's about love, about two people who have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> and they have, she does, she's the one who basically causes all the problems, actually, not him. <laughs> and You know what, Lou, you're the first person, the very first person who has given me this perspective on Fifty Shades. I have heard a lot of perspectives on Fifty Shades, but you're the first person. And I, you know, knowing you and, and you're, I believe what you are saying. And I'm now I need to go read it just to make, just to see that you're right. Well, I'll oh tell you. Gosh. I'll tell you. To me, talking about this, these books, without having read them, is like talking about a movie you haven't seen. Yeah. And well, no, I, I agree. I agree. And I, I just, I, I, I just couldn't. Like for me, I've read so much erotic. I know this seems like such so, um, like it's such an out. But I've read so much erotica that it was like, oh, you know, uh, you know. But I did skim it. I did okay. skim it. What, what I'll tell you is that it is, it's Harlequin romance meets Vanilla Kink. Yes. It really yes. is two people who are madly in love who have no idea how to be in a relationship. They love food. They have a great time with music. They are very much about doing whatever they can do to maintain their relationship, even though it scares the absolute bejesus out of both of them. And he is willing to do anything. But I'll also tell you, if you want to know what drives this book, what the two things, read Chapter 1 in Fifty Shades of Grey, and read the final chapter in Fifty Shades Freed, and you will see the driving forces behind this book, this, this trilogy of books. I, and I, you know what, and I have to tell you, I had the same attitude. Why do I have to read these books? I'm one of the best-selling authors in this area. I talk about sex all day. I write about it, blah, blah, blah. And then I went like this, Lou, do not be a jerk. And when I got asked to be on a panel with, for sports sheets, with um, uh, for, for uh, Tom Stewart, I realized I asked all of the people, and because it was a, a panel for retailers, I asked them, have you read these books? And they hadn't. And I said, how are you supposed to know what they're asking for? Yeah, and I, and I said, that's point. appalling yeah. and shame on you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I said, how can you possibly know what is motivating someone if you haven't seen it through your own filter. And, and to me, that is something I'll tell you. There aren't that many toys that are used. And I'll also tell you, having studied each one of the times they have sex, and they have a lot of sex, um, they do not repeat exactly the same sex position twice in 1,625 pages. That's really something. That's really quite incredible. I just think of the research that had to go into that. To, I'm going to tell you. All those sex positions. I'll tell you, you know, okay, we know there's basically five, but it's a variation on a theme, you know. But she really did do her work on how to move things around, and she had someone who very much schooled her on the consensual, you know, the light BDSM that was done. But really what it is is it's sensory deprivation is one of the biggest things. 
And she was wanting to do things to please him. And he was wanting to do everything to please her. And she's the one who kept asking for things when everything blew up. Believe you me. She's the one that started Well, you know it. what I think was interesting? I was watching uh, uh, Steve Harvey one day, and they had Laura Berman on, and she was counseling a couple about he wanted to be more like Gray. Mm-hmm. And so he was um, counseling this guy on how to be Christian Gray. And so he so he surprised his fiance by being Christian Grey because she read the trilogy and she was really into it. And honest to goodness, it was one of the most awkward things I've ever seen on TV because there he is trying to be Christian Grey to his unwitting fiance. And she's like, what is going on? And there's TV cameras there. Oh my gosh. If you could go onto the Steve Harvey website and honestly, I was, I was cringing. I was cringing. It was cringeworthy. Oh my gosh. I've never seen anything so awkward in my life as that particular, but you know, but you know, so I, I guess the point is it's really good in fantasy. Erotica is fantastic. I can't say enough about erotica and you know, but maybe, maybe not in real life. Well, that's maybe what keep, may, maybe keep that just in the books. Well, here's the other thing is that sometimes people are saying, well, she's having all of this happening and he's having all of that happening. So, again, going back to that statement of who do you listen to? Let's be honest, kitties. This is a book. This is a work of fiction. OK, yeah. Yeah. now we have the bodice rippers for women and then we have the, you know, whatever, you know, the the the, the man studly books for men. They're not the same things. Now, I really think, you know, and I do want to talk to you about the thing about, you know, the male book. I think that now that we're having more scientific work in the area of brain chemistry, I think we are really going to see that there is a profound difference in the processing of information as it comes in and where and how there's sort of like something where we have to be able to our communication has to approach that brain chemistry because men will hear something and they'll only hear, you know, bleep, bleep. And it's the subconscious mind that's doing all of this. It's not the conscious mind, Trina. Absolutely. And the subconscious mind is the one that even if someone says, oh, don't worry about the size, somewhere in the subconscious mind, someone made some comment that, had him go, oh, my God, there's a problem. So even though his logical mind tells him it's okay, he has to undo the subconscious subliminal programming. And whether that's done by hypnosis or whether that's done by Callahan technique or whether it's done by whatever technique it's done, it can be done, okay? And in the same way that women are often they're being told that they have something wrong with them because they're not having orgasms the way that, you know, men are thinking they should because men are listening to the information coming from the adult industry, telling them get it high, get it hard, and get it in. And, and you know, let's be honest. We touch the way we like to be touched, but for men, their penis going into a vagina is a completely different sensation for them than a woman having the sensation of a penis going into her body. Two completely different things. Yeah, absolutely. It's not the same thing. So he may be thinking, woohoo, I'm taking it home. And she's going, what are you doing? 
and, and, and because then, of that, Lou, and because of that, Lou, you and I will always have a job, you know, and, and, and it's too bad that we'll always have a job, but we will always have a job just because of that one particular thing. Yeah, and I tell men all the time, look, I'm going to cut you some slack and I'm going to tell you, you have not been given accurate and fair information, gentlemen. You really haven't. And I don't want you to feel badly about this, but I want you to know I'm here to clean the Vaseline off the windshield, and I'm here to give you information that's going to, that is better, more effective, functional information. And you know how when you said the couples came back in to see one another and they sort of, you know, you could have heard a pin drop? What I find, and you may find this will really be helpful for you, have the, do the women first. This is what I do. Do the women's seminar first. And here's why. Women have a lot more permission to not know about sexuality. So women going first is not a typical social thing either. Men, are, men expect to be given, you know, first preference, particularly if it's a group of entrepreneurs. So I do the ladies first, and I tell them information. And the men are listening. They're, they're hearing what's going on in the room. They're hearing the laughter and everything. So when the women walk out, they walk out, and they have their little bag. They have toys. They have whatever it may be, their handout. And the men are going, so, so what you learn, and the women are like this, you know, smug, like little, little bird feathers floating around their mouths. And they're like, oh, nothing. And then I have the men come in, and what I tell the women, I don't tell the men, and I tell them that. And then what I tell the men, I don't tell the women. So that when the couples get together again, the dynamic is they can share when they want to. They don't yes. have to. It isn't, there isn't that pressure. And so literally when they come back together again at the end, if there's a Q&A or whatever, I can t- they walk up and they are they are touching one another. They are close to one another. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, male sexuality, in my final minute, I'm going to make this one comment. Men are not being touched enough. They're not being hugged enough. They're not being told how special they are. They are not, they're not being given enough of the, you know what, the the attaboys. And that is what men crave more than anything. Please tell me I'm doing a good job and I've made a difference in your life. Absolutely. And, and I and one of the messages I'm getting out to women now that I feel very strongly about is we have to help our men feel sexy. So it, there's this idea that men need to make women feel sexy, but really we need to help our men feel sexy and let them know that, you know, he's sexual and, and we want, we want him. Men really crave that. And I think it's, it's something that goes missing for a lot of women in that, in the relationship where she doesn't say to him, I, I really, I really miss you. Oh, oh now look at that. We're, we're on our way out. My guest has been Dr. Trina Reed. That's T-R-I-N-A-R-E-A-D. Trina, thank you so much. And I'm going to call you right after this. Okay, thank you, Lou. Thank you, my dear. Thank you, everyone. And I will talk with you next week. Bye for now. Fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget.